Oh, buddy, more disrespect nationally for the 2022 OU football team. In other news, it's just Thursday, all right? Uh, what, what's new? We get something every single day where someone nationally is like, ah, OU's going to suck next year, and here's why. Well, Parker Thune, today's reasoning as to why OU's not going to be very good oh boy. is uh, analytics. According oh, to analytics. The, yeah. Hashtag analytics. Hashtag analytics, according to the Action Network. They put out their power rankings for the 2022 seasons. And last week, at least the Athletics said that they aren't a top 25 team. Uh, or yeah, was that the athletic? Yeah, had it him was. at like number yeah, twenty-seven. Yeah, uh, today OU is at number thirty in the Action Network Power Rankings. Uh, Oklahoma State's at twenty-six. Texas is at sixteen. TCU at nineteen. Baylor at fifty-one. OU all the way back at number thirty. So, uh, uh, sorry uh, guys. Uh, Baylor where fifty-one? <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, the uh, same. That thing. tells you all you need to know. Yeah, so they aim to judge the true quality of a team based on advanced metrics, coaching changes, year-over-year roster continuity, and a host of under un, uh, other underlying components. So basically just a bunch of crap thrown in there is where they're getting their power rankings right now. See, here is the problem, Tyler. The movie Moneyball came out, and analytics was officially ruined. Because analytics was cool... Until that happened. It was this cutting-edge way to uh, evaluate teams and players that maybe went under-regarded. And there were things you could find in the numbers uh, that maybe weren't portrayed in the popular narrative surrounding a particular team or a particular player. Now everybody's trying to do oh, yeah. analytics. and when At every level and every sport. And uh, when everybody's good at analytics, nobody's good at analytics. And we've gotten to a point where... We have gotten so consumed with analytics and trying to figure out what the what story, what narrative the analytics portray that we have completely lost the meaning and the significance behind analytics. We have found an analytic metric to fit any narrative we want sure. to put oh, yeah. out there. And so, look, I could present just as compelling of an argument from an analytic perspective, as to why Oklahoma should be in the top 10 next year. Well, you'd be the only one putting out that article, all right? Well, exactly. You can make analytics say anything you want to say these days. Everybody can cite this proprietary algorithm that takes into account coaching changes and roster continuity and strength of record and all this BS. And the reality is... No, like we are no closer to knowing who's going to be good next year and who's going to be bad next year than we were 20 years ago. Right. Well, when OU won a national championship in 2000, everyone remembers this, but they were barely inside the top 25. It's the most, if you want to call it a Cinderella story, the most Cinderella run we've seen in college football probably in the past, you know, 21, 22 years, probably even longer than that. God, the way that everyone nationally thinks about this team next year if the 2022 squad were to win a national championship, <laughs> judging by everyone else outside the state, it would be an even bigger surprise than when the 2000 team I found know, a way to be go like undefeated. the largest analytical oh outlier of all time. I have come to hate analytics. I used Me to love both. analytics. Like the analytics world and everybody that's trying to get into analytics has made analytics odious.
Well, the analytics say on this fourth and two to do for this, and oh my, it seems I, like I, I can, uh, every single time those decisions are made, it's like what what an idiotic call that this guy. Made I know it's like every two. time somebody punts on fourth and three. Oh, here comes analytics Twitter to tell you exactly why that was a bad decision. I feel like uh, if you dislike analytics like Parker and I do. Um, there is maybe more of an analytical type of thinking that just exited the doors at the University of Oklahoma. I feel like OU will be less analytics-driven uh, uh, than they were before. Well, but you know, Tyler, they hiring all these analysts. That's <laughs> true. That's- I saw P.J. Lozman last night at the basketball game. First time I'd seen him at the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, so. is, he a, is he a bro? Or P- JP. PJ, JP. JP Lozman. Uh, he he's definitely he definitely a bro. Like he showed up. Like all the other coaches are sitting there in like their university issued quarter zips, very much embracing the coach persona. JP Lozman rolls in in like a Nike dry fit tee. Uh, I thought you were gonna say like just, a leather jacket or no, something. No, he's just chilling there between Brent Venables and Brandon Hall, just looking like a mid thirties surfer dude. Huh. Well, he's outstanding. It sounds like he's gonna really thrive in a uh, college town around here. You know. Sounds like he's going to have a good old time. He passes the vibe check. 405-651-3439. You know the number. Interact with the show on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. A lot of recruiting to get to today. And let's start off with uh, someone that we haven't had an update on since last week. And I I know it's a tough time to get an update on guys, but Levius Overton is who everyone wants to know about right now. And And I was looking, okay, he reclassified into the 2022 class. Where is he ranked in the 2022 class? He was ranked as the number one overall player. Was he ranked as the number one overall player in 2023? For a while there, he was. Okay. Yes, when he reclassified, he was the number three player behind Arch and Malachi okay. Nelson. Well, now he's number 18 in this year's class, the number five defensive lineman. So um, if OU's going to figure out a way to, to beat A&M in this battle, it would be by far and away their highest-ranked prospect in this class. Yes. But we know that he's reclassified, but at least what I haven't heard answered yet is what was the reason that the reclassifying happened in the first place? I would assume just because, and I don't know this for a fact, everybody has different reasons, but when that's an option on the table and you're as good as Lebius Overton is, and now you have the incentive of NIL dollars on the table as soon as you're playing college football... If you can do it academically and you feel you can do it physically and make that jump to the collegiate level a year earlier than you were otherwise anticipating, then it makes all the sense in the world these days to just go ahead and reclassify. That's why Quinn Ewers did it, sure. right? And Quinn Ewers was technically – like reclassifying didn't really affect him all that much because he was a year behind as it was. Like he was 18 already when he enrolled at Ohio State, almost 19. So uh, – I as it stood before he reclassified, he was a year behind the curve almost, and he, so uh, it made a lot of sense for a guy like him to reclassify. And it just you, you look at Levius Overton, you watch the tape; it makes a lot of sense for a guy like him to reclassify too because he's college ready. He is. He sure looks like it. And the the, the kind of the scouting report on twenty four seven Sports and look, they're way too early projections here. It's a part of the scouting report that you get with recruiting services, but they have him as a first-round projection. Again, we've seen five-star players flame out, their careers go terrible, and they don't even get drafted in the NFL draft at all. But it is still pretty impressive that he's going to graduate essentially a year early. He's still a top-20 player. But hey, some of those guys that flame out and don't end up getting drafted have a really promising future ahead in their business ventures (laughs) that you're going to want to keep an eye on. Well, hey, speaking of business ventures, like 
you you kind of mentioned there, like, I, I don't know, maybe Lebius Overton is thinking I, I'm ready now and maybe there's some NIL opportunities. I, I have not heard this, I, I but I hope it's, this is not NIL-driven because the school that OU is directly competing for, yeah. for this five-star defensive lineman, yeah. if, if NIL is at, kind of at the forefront here, then... Yeah. That's that's not a good sign. And that's what makes you worry more than anything else. Is Because, look, these days, the biggest reason why a kid would reclassify, let's call it, let's call a spade a spade here, it's NIL. If you're willing to jump to the collegiate game a year earlier, the primary reason is more often than not, it's going to be about having the opportunity to make money right off the bat. And given the fact that A&M is OU's biggest competition, yeah, that's what you're primarily leery about. Sure, yeah, and I I do think that OU is going to be a player in NIL. I, I think if, you know, Levius Overton is showing some real interest, I'm sure that they would figure out some sort of package for him that would be enticing, but I don't think that it would necessarily be as enticing as Texas A&M because it seems like they're willing to go – a little bit more of above and beyond than A&M is. And that's not a knock on OU at all. No. And in fact, like I, I kind of prefer that. I don't want OU to be the program out there that is, oh, we're just going to give you all this and NIL. you got to play the game, and they will play the game. I don't want them, though, to play the game as much as A&M is right now. And I use A&M as the example because it seems like they're playing the game maybe at a higher level than anyone else is. Yeah. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line, one listener says, uh, or asks, I suppose, David Stone close, question mark? And I don't know if you saw David Stone's tweet, but uh, he tweeted a photo about an hour ago of him. It was literally just a picture of his hand in class at IMG throwing the horns down. And the caption was just something like, I'm bored or something like that. So uh, (laughs) the answer to that is, uh, yeah, I I would feel pretty good about that one right now if I were an OU fan. I'm bored and then the horns down? Yep. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a uh, that's a recruitment to be optimistic about. That one, as well as T. A. Cunningham, who is another elite defensive lineman in the class of 2024, that will be a five star when the 24/7 Sports composite rankings come out. T. A. Cunningham uh, is very much feeling the vibe from OU right now. I would uh, I would like to hear from the text line on this question because all right, if a recruit puts out a picture that makes you feel better about things. It's a horns down. Uh-huh. It's not the you know number one sign that OU fans will do. It, it's the horns down. That's I don't know. In a lot of ways, that's kind of turned into OU's hand sign. So I'm curious from the text line if it annoys any OU fans out there that the universal sign in OU recruiting is the horns down and maybe not necessarily a hand sign that OU's come up with. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm genuinely just asking the question. Did OU not come up with that hand sign? Well, I think that they came up with the hand sign, but it still in some ways like involves the University of yeah, Texas, okay, and okay. that's why I'm asking if that is yeah, you a know, noise the, OU fan. All, all the Texas fans down there saying, rent-free, rent-free. <laughs> right, and that's that's why I wonder if like if there's some OU fans out there that are like, all right, good recruiting news, I like this, but God, can we not just have our own hand sign and putting the horns down? like? I, I love the horns down, no doubt about it. It's a really fun thing to do, but do we got to do it every single hour of every single day? Come on. Again, just curious. 
Yeah. Just curious to see what fans think. Hit us up, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I've got a theory on this staff's approach to recruiting compared to the previous staff's uh, approach to recruiting at a certain position. I'll throw that around coming up next segment, see what Parker thinks as well. More of your text coming up, though, on the other side. It is locked in right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans.
Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. Gavin Freeman uh, officially made his decision yesterday, which had me thinking well, he's a three-star wide receiver, had a scholarship offer to Tech. We know by now he's taken a uh, PFO to OU. Now, I-, I realize that this isn't saying much, Parker, but it goes to how impressive it is by the staff to get this kid. Tech does have more momentum slash excitement, whatever you want to call it, going into this offseason that it's had in a long time. Yes. The bull win that it got, uh, the head coach uh, that that is all over the place and all excited to take this job. So I, I realize it's not saying much, but you did take a kid away from Tech, a three-star wide receiver with just a PFO offer when people are about as fired up for Tech football out there in love because they've been in a while. So that's that's something. Yeah, apparently that new Tech staff wasn't super enthusiastic about Gavin Freeman. Interesting. And didn't didn't really take the lead and weren't very proactive in making sure he stayed on board with them. So, I don't know. That seems odd for everything I've heard about that staff since they arrived on the scene in Lubbock, but uh, apparently Gavin Freeman just wasn't a priority for them. And Brent Venables and his staff at Oklahoma made it very clear that Gavin Freeman was a priority for them, and they made it happen. What's going on on the text line? Uh, lots of conflicting opinions. Good. About I your, love uh... that. Yes. <laughs> My favorite. Okay, let's start with this one. Horns down sign history. It began in, it began in the late 60s while I was at OU. I was in the Pride. There was a student chant that went, beat the hell out of Texas. Bring the, pride, the pride drum line played a cadence that matched with the words in the chant. The students would simultaneously throw to the horns down sign to the beat of the cadence. I don't know if anyone from the pride is listening right now, but let's go ahead and bring that one back ASAP. Let's go. Yeah, yeah here's the thing. Here, uh, my beef with the pride uh, right now Uh-oh. is that uh, it, it's not major beef. It's just... Like the pride for the most part does a great job. That chant they do that ends with the go big red chant. Like why why do they do that? What are you okay. saying that that's a Nebraska thing and they I, shouldn't be doing that? Okay, or what? first off, yeah, I know that as a Nebraska thing, and maybe that's just me speaking as a Nebraska native. But I'm also just like Oklahoma's not the Big Red. They've never they, they've that, never really yeah, been referred like, to. Yeah, like my as understanding, the big red. that's kind of. I mean, it, it, it's stuck. I mean, it, it's not as big of a thing as it used to be, but that's something that happened kind of, you know, a few decades ago when the whole Go Big Red. It's really faded off. Um, not a whole lot of OU fans are walking by or yelling, Go Big Red! But it, it used to be a thing. It used to be a thing, not not so much these days. Interesting. Okay. One listener says, horns down every day. Yes, yes. One, it really pisses Texas folk off. Two, it really, really pisses Texas folk off. Yeah. Does, if they don't like it, go win. Does it still, or do they wear it as a badge of honor right now that a much better program than the crap that they're putting out right now, it's, oh, see, look how obsessed with this they are. They have to do that every single time they do something good. You, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if Texas has gotten past the, the piss stage at it and just, God, they're so obsessed with this. It's sad. And I don't want Texas to have the satisfaction of thinking every single day that, yes, they do live rent-free in OU's heads. One listener says, Texas sucks every second of every day, so horns down gesture is needed and wanted every time. Another says, nothing is worse than seeing some corny fan flashing the horns down (laughs) and OU is playing Kansas or Tulane. I I just don't get that. Yeah, okay, so I I think you can have it both ways. I think we all subscribe to the – it's not a theory, it's a fact – that Texas does suck every single day, but I 
you don't need to throw the horns down when OU is playing Kent State next year. Just just my personal thoughts. That's it. Yeah, another listener says, I hate when we're doing horns down where we're playing, say, OSU or Nebraska. So stupid. Yeah. <laughs> another, another one says, I love the horns down, but I've been yelled at by many a Texas fan saying, get your own sign. So, yeah, it still annoys them a little bit. Uh, hey, do it all you want. Uh, hey, uh, second week or second Saturday in October, do it all you want. Do it the Friday night. Do it Saturday. Do it the Sunday. Um, do it the week leading up to. Do it the the whole next week after you win. But yeah, like oh, you playing Kansas State and they flash the jumbotron and you got someone doing it. it's like, all right, guys, all right, come on now. Another listener asks, what do you think of the fight on sign upside down? I like that a lot, and, and I've seen more and more people start to do that. I, uh, at least initially at the football games, I uh, will be down for the upside uh, V for victory that USC does. On yeah, the look, I'm, I'm 100% down, down with that being becoming the new horns down, Yeah, at least in the immediate future. So you know how in the stadium that they do the scoreboard updates? Heck, our, our guy Chris Plank does that every single game. I hope that he works it in yeah. to where USC games are shown, especially when they're losing. That place, the first time it's shown that USC is losing to a really bad team or that USC lost, it might get oh as boy. loud as it did when Caleb Williams was announced as the starting quarterback oh last boy. year against TCU. I'm going to love witnessing that oh, crowd's reaction awesome. to USC just getting pasted by like Utah or somebody. Uh, yeah, Stanford early on in the year. I think that might be their first like Pac-12 road trip or something like that. Like week three, they're getting destroyed by Stanford. Oh, buddy. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll even be yelling at that one. Uh, we've been kind of going down the list on just random 2023 recruits and kind of where OU sits with some of these guys right now. I do want to ask you about Jalen Hale. Uh, Jalen Hale, five-star wide receiver out of Longview, Texas, 6'2", 175. Yeah, you have to. You have to feel pretty good. I think you're the only person that's putting a crystal ball on him, and you have him at a five. Yes, and I put that crystal ball in last March. I feel as good as ever about that one. And in fact, if uh, some people, some people up the confidence or like lower the confidence of their crystal balls as a recruitment evolves, uh, that's that's never really been my mo. I always just kind of like leave it to give an indication of what my initial confidence level was and so back in March of 2021 yeah I was confident enough that Jalen Hill was going to end up at Oklahoma to issue that moderate confidence crystal ball as of right now I'd probably up that to a six or a seven at least yeah it, it, it kind of sparked a thought for me because Jalen Hill Five-star receiver, 6'2", 175. It's a, it's a guy that you absolutely want. No matter what system you're running or what you're trying to do offensively, Jalen Hale is going to fit in your system, and he's going to make a, a lot of plays for you. Yeah. But there was also the DeAndre Moore situation, what, about a week and a half ago where it didn't sound like Britt Venables or Jeff Lebby reached out to him. They were kind of okay if he decommitted. And I, I don't think that this is like a super hot take, but I think that this staff's approach to wide receiver recruiting is going to be much different than the previous staff's approach to wide receiver recruiting. I think that they're going to be, this staff, very picky on wide receivers that they really go after because I don't think that they want a class like we've seen before where there's like four and five guys in it. Like I, I think they want two and th- two or three really good receivers every single year, but I don't think that we're going to really see a class 
you know, like uh, what, 2018, 2019, whatever it was, when there's all these receivers and you're like, dang, this class is ranked high, but how many guys at that one position is there? I think that they are way more apt to kind of spread the wealth throughout the positions. I don't think that they want to waste a whole lot of offers on just a bunch of random four-star receivers across the country, maybe like Muleshoe went about things. No question. And Jalen Hill's one of those guys that you got to have, and that's the reason why Oklahoma, you know, while they maybe weren't as willing under this new staff to keep in touch with DeAndre Moore, they have ramped things up in a big way in their pursuit of Jalen Hale, and Cale Gundy has been all over that recruitment from the get-go. It also helps a lot that Jalen Hale's primary recruiter, formerly from the University of Alabama, was one Jay Valai. So now you have the uh, the double team on Jalen Hale at Oklahoma. And, he, I, man, I feel good about that one. And if they get Jalen Hale, that is massive. Because for my money, that dude is the best wide receiver in this cycle. In the class of 2023, there is no wide receiver I'd rather have than Jalen Hale. And that he is the closest thing to C.D. Lamb that Oklahoma will have had on their roster since C.D. Lamb. Well, let's, let's hope so because – out of the number of wide receivers that they brought in, there's definitely been some hits. Yep. You mentioned C.D. Lamb. Clearly, he he was a hit. Uh, Marquise Brown, it took towards halfway of the 2017 season, but obviously he was a hit as well. But it seems like, man, looking back at it now, there was a ton of misses. Trajan Bridges was, was obviously a miss. Um, Tra- here's the thing, though. Trajan Bridges would absolutely not have been a miss if he had been able to stay out of trouble off the field. because I mean, m- Maybe. Yeah, no, don't believe me. Like That dude was the most talented wide receiver on Oklahoma's roster this yeah, spring. M- maybe, but man, there's there's been, for as much as they've committed to that position, you would think that OU would have just been oozing talent at that position and they'd be known as wide receiver U right now or well, anything. But man, I too, just, last year's group was just average at best. Too many cooks in the kitchen. That's what it comes down to. You were spreading the wealth among, what, six, seven wide receivers? And I don't think anybody on that roster caught more than 35 passes. Yeah. That is not conducive to anyone's well-being and enrichment as a football player because then you end up with guys like Marvin Mims who should be getting the ball thrown their way 70 to 80 times over the course of a season, and the season ends and they're pissed and thinking about transferring because why on earth am I not getting the ball more? And it's not out of selfishness either. (laughs) because <laughs> if you look back, there were games where Marvin Mims had two, three, four targets. Oh, yeah, there definitely were. Early on in the, early on in the season, yeah, there was like, wh- why are they they're throwing it to him one time? Why, why, he's got one reception. What, what, what's going on there? And when you got to find snaps and you got to find touches for Mims and Jaden Hazelwood and Mike Woods and Drake Stoops and Trayvon West, and who am I forgetting? you got to throw in the tight ends. Austin Stogner, Jeremiah Hall. Well, I mean, Jaleel Farouk, we finally got to see him in the bowl game yeah, last year. And we're catch. like, dang, all right, this guy looks like he's going to be a player. Where has he been all year long? Yeah, Mario Williams in that discussion as well. There were so many guys that were capable of making plays in Oklahoma's offense in 2021 at the wide receiver position that I th- I think Muleshoe was kind of hamstrung by how many guys he had to work with. I'm just excited to see recruiting classes moving forward that's going to have kind of spread the wealth at all positions, much like this class, you know. They're, they're going to have their quarterback. They're going to have a running back or two. But they're going to bulk up on offensive line. They're going to bulk up on defensive line linebackers. And, and I think whereas, you know, Muleshoe really 
excelled with quarterback recruiting, not necessarily the development of those guys here recently, but quarterback recruiting, you could count on that guy to go get a five-star quarterback. I do think this staff specifically, the position that they're really going to do well with, and this should excite people out there, it's going to be D-line and backer. D-line and backer, and I really think that they're going to be able to develop those two positions as well, along with getting elite talents. And that should excite people. I know know there were people that had their concerns about the depth at wide receiver for Oklahoma after they only signed two in the class in Nicholas Anderson and Jaden Gibson. But here's the way I look at it, Tyler. If you were rolling into 2022 and you're too deep across the wide receiver position consists of Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, Drake Stoops, and then you have Brian Darby, Jalil Farouk, and take your pick between Trayvon West, Nicholas Anderson, Jaden Gibbs, any of the other wideouts you want to throw in there. If you got six guys that you know you can rely on, you don't need to give it any more thought than that. And you know you know you got ammunition if you run into uh, attrition or injury and you lose guys and uh, maybe something happens like it did to Theo Weiss this past season where an unforeseen circumstance between uh, the start of fall camp and the beginning of the season leaves you down a guy, you're going to have a plug-and-play solution. You don't need to have 12 wide receivers on scholarship at the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, you you really don't. And a lot of times you just need like one or two guys. And I look at the 2016 season for OU specifically, uh, D.D. Westbrook was their dude. And there was no question they were going to throw it to D.D. Westbrook as yep. much as possible. Yep. He won the Blitnikoff. Now, they had contributors behind D.D. Westbrook, but no one that was really close, at least statistic-wise. Like, in some cases, you just need one guy that's going to go out there and uh, throw up numbers for you. So That yeah, you should don't... be Marvin Mims next year. Yeah, yeah, no, it should. And I don't – do I have my questions about next year's team? Absolutely, I do. But wide receiver is like – at the bottom of the list, maybe at the bottom of the list. Like, I've got my concerns, but wide receiver is not one of them at all. In fact, I think wide receiver is going to be one of the strengths of the team next year. I, I really I, I believe that. Yeah, I am thoroughly unconcerned about that room. Thoroughly. Yeah. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll hit more of your text. More Sooners coming up on the other side right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.
Chapel Supply bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Chapel supplies you with the tools to tackle any power washing job, residential or commercial. They can also service all brands of power washers. Check them out in Oklahoma City, 6509 West Reno Avenue. Also, if you're looking for a new career, Chapel Supply can help you out with that as well. Apply online today at chapelsupply.com. Hey, has it been a week? Since we've gotten a Kamar Wheaton question on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, I yes, feel like I think we, we have at that point. I feel like we said no, uh, so <laughs> with such an intense tone. I know that I, everyone's I, like, oh, "Okay, yeah, it's not gonna happen." Yeah, I was, I was emphatic about it. Yeah, as was I, and uh, I still feel very good. In case anyone out there is wondering, that uh, no, uh, Kamar Wheaton, they won't even be. That, that's not even a, a thought right up there right now with the uh, coach's office. You wrote a story for OUinsider.com, the 22 in 22. Yes. Kind of your depth charts way too early going into the 2022 season. Are there any maybe certain surprises there that people would be surprised to find? Like, oh, wow, Parker's got this guy as a starter? Okay. I don't think so. I don't think there would be any huge surprises. The one that... Uh, people kind of surprisingly took issue with was Drake Stoops, I listed as a starting wide receiver alongside Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss. And I don't know, there's there's a very vocal, and it's a, it's a minority, don't get me wrong, it's a very vocal minority, but it is very vocal nonetheless, that just doesn't like Drake Stoops. Why? I don't know. How I don't know, can how you, can you... How can you dislike Drake Stoops of all people? I, I know, I it oh doesn't make gosh. sense to me either. Like, look, I'm not going to sit here and campaign that he's going to be the number one wide receiver or anything next year, but there's a huge difference in that and just outright not liking the guy. The dude's made some huge catches in his career. He had the game-winning touchdown in that OU-Texas game in, uh, what, 2020. I, 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 for, for what he came in as, which was a PFO, correct? I mean, are you kidding? I-, I wish you could get half the production from every PFO that you get than what you've gotten from Drake Stoops. That's that's odd. That's weird that somebody would dislike him that much. I know it, it's never made sense to me, particularly because like he he is he literally might be the most reliable football player on either side of the ball for Oklahoma. Like you know, that is a dude that's going to do his job. It won't always show up in the stat sheet, but he's going to do his job. The one on defense that. I, and, and I kind of posited my initial depth chart uh, just for the sake of simplicity uh, as I, I lined up the defense in the exact same alignment that they used this past year in 2021, which I know Brent Venables is going to have his own scheme and he's going to vary his looks and vary his fronts. So there's really not a one-size-fits-all answer as to what the depth chart is going to look like, but uh, I kind of lined everybody up in that modified, like kind of three three five, sure. kind of four two five look that Alex Grinch has given in recent years, where you have a rush and you have a nickel. And Justin Broyles was my starter at nickel. Oh god, and, I bet you got torched on that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> and Justin Broyles, like that is a legit even fifty fifty split, where some people see the good stuff that he did over the last six games of the season, and they're like. Yes, that dude's going to make a leap under Brent Venables. Excited to see what he brings to the table. I can definitely see him starting. The other half is like, oh, my goodness gracious, no, I want no part of Justin Brooks. Didn't Grinch say in, like, game or after game five or six that he was the best defensive back that they had had up yes. to that point? Yes. Yeah. And so, I, I like, I'm inclined to believe – that Justin Broyles is one of those guys who's going to finally kind of come into his own now that Brent Venables Hope is so. in the mix. Now, I 
I I acknowledge that that depth chart is wholly subject to change because we're not even into spring practice yet. So for now, I would say like if I were making the lineup and I were Brent Venables, Justin Brewers would be one of my starters. But we also got to see what the transfers and the new guys bring to the table. I think very highly of Robert Spears Jennings. I don't think that's a secret. I think Trey Morrison is a guy that's going to be starting in one fast or another, whether that's a corner, at nickel, or at safety. And then I, I'm really excited to see what C.J. Colden brings to the table as well. I also think that the the gen, like in a general sense, the scheme you're going to get from Brent Venables is probably going to be one pretty similar to the one he primarily used at Clemson, which is your third linebacker essentially becomes kind of a hybrid nickel. So you have that Isaiah Simmons yeah. type of player. Where I'll he's, take an Isaiah he's Simmons. He's big enough to be a linebacker, but he's also more than fast enough to be a defensive back. And who fits that bill right now? There is one guy in particular. That yes. Maybe maybe there's more than one guy on the roster that does, but there is one name that comes to mind uh, right now. Yep. And Brent, he is a true freshman. Yep, Brent Venables' very own hand-picked Hayes, Kansas yep. native himself. So, yeah. Did, did you catch any uh, heat, by the way, from Kendall for putting uh, Dylan Gabriel as the starting quarterback and not Ben Harris? <laughs> not yet. I'm sure he'll be on the text line within seconds to make a case for Ben Harris. Uh, running back, did you just go with Eric Gray? Did you go with Marcus Major? Yeah, How did I, just, you... I went with Eric Gray, and I added the disclaimer that I do think it's going to be more of a committee approach. Sure. And I know a lot of fans are probably tired of seeing the running back committee. They'd rather see one guy get 80% of the carries. And it was it was kind of that way with Ramondre Stevenson in 2020, but that's about as close as Oklahoma's had to a true bell cow back since Samaj P. Ryan in 2014. Um, I think Javante Barnes is going to factor in heavily. I do think Marcus Major will earn himself a slice of the pie. But Eric Gray, just based on what he's done already, not just at Oklahoma but at Tennessee, is probably the guy that you would look at as the one that's going to head up the backfield sure. committee. Yeah, and I think in a perfect world, at least in mine, like Marcus Major emerges as a dude. He is your every down He's your thumper type of running back. He's got speed, but, man, he can bowl you over as well. And then you throw in Eric Gray as kind of a change of pace back. If you want to call him a third down back, whatever. But I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm so optimistic about what Levy is going to bring to this offense and how much, how much good it's going to do for some of these guys. I, I won't lie. Like I was down on Eric Gray towards the tail end of the year. Um, just because the expectations for him were so high, yeah. which wasn't his yeah, fault, yeah. but the expectations for him were so high, and he just didn't necessarily live up to the billing of what he thought he was going to be going into the year. But I, I think that there is a chance that, much like Marcus Major, maybe Eric Gray's best football is still yet to come at OU. Maybe he looks like the home run type of running back that we thought he was going to be coming into last year. I think that there is definitely a chance for that to happen, especially if this offensive line is a better unit than it was last season. Yeah, and by the way, just to come back around to Jaron Kanak, I like not even that I haven't heard a bad word about Jaron Kanak. I even I, I haven't even heard like an apprehensive word about Jaron Kanak. Like the message from everybody I talked to about that guy is 100% the same. Not only is he good, but he's he's a monster. That is that is the word that I've heard echoed several times. That dude is a monster. Yeah, he's killing it in the weight room. We, we saw his high school highlight tape. Let, let's see, and I don't like sit here and doubt it, but 
Also, he is a true freshman. Let's see what it looks like when he straps on the pads for the first time in, in spring practice because, you know, with playing in Brent Venable's defense, especially as a linebacker, there's a lot mentally, man. There is a yep. lot, lot of mental assignments that you've got to be able to perfect to get on the field. And I, I'm, I'm sure that he is going to be able to handle that. Is he going to be able to handle it as a true freshman out there? Because that physical, like, there's, there's no question he can play next year. Sure. The only thing that will hold him back is will he be all there mentally to be able to contribute right away? That's, that's really the only thing that's going to hold him back, if anything does hold him back from the first year. But I'm sure he'll be fine because uh, this dude looks legit. All right, final segment coming up next. I promise we'll get to more of your texts coming up on the other side. Air Coverage Solutions text line 651-3439. More to come next right here on The Ref.
All right, final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Chapel Supply bringing you this hour of Locked In. I could hear the uh, text line buzzing all throughout that last break. Uh, what do we got on the Air Comfort Solutions text line? Really? You could hear it buzzing? Bzz, bzz. Yeah, when it's on that, what's on that t- table right there in front of you? Yeah, I, I can hear it. Oh, wow. Uh, Kendall, Kendall says, hey, when Ben Harris gets drafted in the NFL, you guys will be eating serious crow. No, I seriously, if that ever happens, um, he will have a victory lap for about, I don't know, four or five years. And he'll let us hear about it every single day, which, you know what, if it happens, I welcome it. One listener says, I got a $100 bill, Gray isn't starting. Interesting. Okay, I mean, uh, I, that's fine, but then you're really banking on Marcus Major having the offseason that I'm hoping that he's going to have. And I'm rooting for that to happen, but I think Eric Gray going into the offseason, you, you got, he, he's got the edge over everyone else to get the first carry. Yes. I do think, like, here's the thing. Here's what I'll say. If Eric Gray isn't starting, I think Javante Barnes is starting. I don't think it's Marcus Major. But that's still that's even a big if though. Yeah. Like the, the call it the smart money. I guess the easy bet right now is just to say, yeah, Eric Gray is going to be because the off season that I'm hoping that Marcus Major has or that Javante Barnes has, Eric Gray is allowed to have one of those off seasons too. So who's to say when we're talking about the the next great six months or whatever it is that it's Eric Gray and not the other you know two or three guys that's that's fighting for that spot. One listener says regarding Jaron Kanak, let's not start Buki hype again. <laughs> hey, that Buki hype was started by the some of the coaches out there, and I was at that coaching luncheon when the comparison to Roy Williams was thrown out, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I, 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 Roy Williams was a little taller than five foot nine, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. You weren't comparing him to Isaiah Simmons. All you said, and I can review the tape, I guess. Yeah. All you said is he would play that same position yes. that he played in Britt Venable's scheme. That that was it. Yeah, I don't think anybody's expecting Jaron Kanak to walk in day one and be Isaiah Simmons. He was the top, uh, what, he ended up being a top ten pick. I think he was the number six overall yeah. draft pick that year. So, again, I'm not saying have otherworldly expectations for Jaron Kanak. All I'm saying is... Don't be surprised if that dude is playing a lot and perhaps even starting this fall as a freshman in 2022 because everybody that I talk to on the inside says one thing and one thing only. That dude is a freak. Anything else on the text line before we move on here? Yeah, no, let's, go, let's just go ahead and move on. Okay. It's just a whole lot of cl- – a lot of people are mad at you for saying PFO instead of PWO. That's- oh, yeah, sorry, my bad. I think that they'll get over it. Uh-huh. Uh, Brady Bond, I we have never answered this many questions on a punter before, but it seems like we get that text just about uh, every single day multiple times, which is fine. I mean, here to answer recruiting questions, I just didn't think we'd ever get one about a punter. Yeah, I had an interview uh, that I posted at OUinsider.com not long ago with Brady Braun, uh, who hails from the state of Indiana and is real tight with new Oklahoma special teams off-field analyst Jay Nunes. Uh, Brady Braun played in the All-American game, uh, the Under Armour All-American game, alongside Javante Barnes and Robert Spears Jennings uh, down there in Orlando, and is the number four ranked punter in the country, according to Cole's Kicking. He is a PWO, uh, so not a scholarship guy, at least not yet, and the expectation is that he's going to come in, sit a year until Michael Turk is done, and then he'll compete with Josh Plaster for the starting punter job in 2023. 
Uh, other news today, Jamarcus McFarland looks like he got the D-line job at TCU. Good for him. Um, interactions with him were always positive. He's, he's always was a really nice guy to me. Seems like a good dude. So I hope he goes out to TCU and uh, has a great career. And he's actually, I believe he's from that area. Uh, I believe he's from the Dallas-Fort Worth area when he came out as, I think he was a five-star when he yes. ended up at OU. Yes, that is correct. So, good luck to Jamarcus McFarland, former Sooner, as he uh, joins that staff down in TCU. OU softball about to get underway at 4.30 today. Will they be the best team ever? That is the major storyline this year. And, uh, yes, they do have a chance to be the best team ever. I don't know how we're going to measure that. Um, if they go undefeated all the way through... Maybe that's how we say that they're the best team ever, but kind of like everything else, it's just going to be, well, they hit this many home runs, they had this many All-Americans, whatever. I just wonder how we're going to measure if they win another national title, if they are the best squad that college softball's ever seen. One last thing here as we close it out from the text line. Peyton asks, Tyler, did I miss your explanation as to why Rob Schneider was listening to your show? That is uh, coming up next, actually. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, they, I, I didn't there's fi- the hook. I didn't find this out until last night after the show. And I was on a uh, phone call with someone before the show, finding out how that happened. So, yeah, we'll tell you about that coming up next. But pretty starstruck that old Rob Schneider. And, in fact, not only was he listening to the show, I think the other two people that were in the car with him got out and he stayed inside the car to uh, hear what we were uh, to finish hearing what we were saying. I, I, listen, wow. I will be tuning in at the top of the hour because I'm very very curious to know how you learned all of this. Not <laughs> just not just why this happened, but how you learned yeah. about all of this. All right, the rush coming up next. Teddy Layman and myself will get you for the next three hours right here on the ref.